Now, I want you to take your Bibles. We're still in the book of Romans. Now, we have been in chapter 11, and I finished with verse 24 last week. Tonight, I'd like to finish the rest of this chapter, beginning with verse 25. And I gave you the three basic outlines of this chapter, and this is the third part that begins now in verse 25, where God fulfills his promise to Israel by sending the deliverer. And verse 25 of Romans 11 reads, For I would not, brethren, that ye be ignorant of this mystery, in order that, lest is in order that, ye should not be wise in your own conceits, that blindness or hardness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, hardening in part. They weren't totally hardened. It wasn't a universal hardening, only a hardening in part until the fullness of what? The Gentiles become in. That's the duration. The hardening in part is the extent. The duration is until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And in other words, it wasn't universal, and it isn't final. God knows who will believe, and he knows when the fullness of the Gentiles will be completed. Many times Bible teachers, others guess at all this. I just won't guess because I really don't know. And I don't know where in the Word it tells it exactly. There's a record in Acts 15 Acts 15, in verse 17, well, 16, he says, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I'll build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the what? World. And that's why only God knows, as far as I understand the word. I do not know when the fullness of the Gentiles will be completely full. But when it is, then God is going to do exactly what that verse says. Verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. When that time comes, all without any distinction among them, when they believe that new time approaching and when it comes to pass, all of Israel will be saved. As it is written, and there's a great core line, as it's written, again it'll come to pass. Anything that's written by God always comes to pass, core. It may take centuries, but it will occur. It will be fulfilled, it will come to pass. Then it says, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, or Israel. There shall come out of Zion, there shall come Zion's Deliverer. Zion's Deliverer. He is already God's only begotten Son seated in the heavenlies, but there will come God's deliverer, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's Zion's deliverer. 
There are some scriptures I want you to note and then later on look up on your own. Isaiah 59, 20 and 21. Chapter 27, verse 9. And then I want you to note also Psalm 14, 7, Psalm 53, 6, Psalm 110, verse 2. Joel, chapter 2, verse 32, chapter 3, verse 16, and Zechariah 14, 4. In Thessalonians, this delivering one, or Zion's deliverer, see, or which delivereth us, see, when he shall have come, is the text, 1, 10, to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe among you in that day. See? When he shall have come, he will have come for the body of the church, but he is coming back upon the earth for Israel. That's why he is the delivering one. He is Zion's deliverer. It is the kinsman redeemer. I did a literal of this verse translation according to usage so that I can understand it better and teach it better to you and I'll give you that literal translation of this verse there shall return the kinsman redeemer unto Zion and for them of Israel that turn from transgression in all Israel there shall return the kinsman redeemer unto Zion. And for them of Israel that turn from transgression in all Israel. That is a literal according to you, Sage, to the best of my ability to work it. Verse 27. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. This is my covenant. And that's from Isaiah 59, 21. Take away their sins. The last phrase is a quotation from the Septuagint of Isaiah 27, 9. And on this verse, I want you to note Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. And Hebrews 8, 8 to 12 and chapter 10, verse 16. Now, verse 28. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For your sakes, on your behalf, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies on your behalf, for your sakes. Israel's disobedience brought the mercy of God into focus on the Gentiles from which Israel as a nation is temporarily excluded. Not final, remember, but only temporarily. But as touching the election, but as touching the remnant, the remnant, they are beloved for the Father's sake 
or because of or on account of God's promises to the fathers would be literally more accurate. Because of or on account of God's promises to the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now that great 29th verse, which shows God's immutability. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. You know, man's change of attitude towards God does not alter or invalidate God's covenant promises. Israel's disobedience does not invalidate nor will it ever alter God's covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That simply means once God has promised, he can't change his mind on that would be repentance. He can't repent of it because he's God Almighty. Once he has made the commitment, core he stands. It's just, just set. It never varies. No alteration of God's word or invalidation of it. No matter what men say, no matter what they do, God's promises are yea and what? That's right. Verse 30. These two verses, 30 and, well, really, all the way through 32, sort of interesting. Maybe I better give you this for 30, 31, and 32 sort of tie together. And in 30, you have disobedience, Jew and Gentile. And you also have then mercy to the Gentiles. If you just put down disobedience, Jew and Gentile, mercy, Gentiles. Then when you get to 31, you'll have disobedience, Jew. Mercy, Jew and Gentile. And in 32, you have disobedience, Jew and Gentile, and then mercy, Jew and Gentile. Now watch this and compare it when we read this now. Verse 30 now. For ye, as ye in times past, have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. You didn't believe? Neither did they, Jew and Gentile. But now you obtain mercy, the Gentiles, because of their what? Or on account of their unbelief. 31. Even so have these also not now believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain what? Mercy. Both Jew and Gentile. And verse 32. For God hath concluded, shut up, or closed off all in unbelief, Jew and Gentile, that he might have mercy upon all, Jew and Gentile. Whatever man, any man ever enjoys, he'll only enjoy, Cor, because of God's mercy and God's grace. Does it make any difference whether it's Jew or Gentile? Whatever man ever enjoys, it's only due to God's mercy and God's grace. You will see that before 
I close this section here tonight because this closing of this section of Romans 11 is in many respects just like Romans 8 closing. It's just one of those tremendous sections of God's Word that there are hardly words to describe it in any way, shape, or form. The best I know is what's written in the Word. But these verses like 31 and 32 are very similar to Galatians 3. You look at Galatians chapter 3. 3.22. Galatians 3.22. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them, them all who do what? Believe. See, Jew or Gentile. And today, of course, we know it's a calling out. That's the remnant. That's the remnant. Well, now back to Romans 11. And I will read these verses just from the King James and then we'll put it down and you should sort of have a blank sheet of paper because I will want to give you the structure of this section in Romans 11 to try to indicate to you some of its fabulous greatness. Verse 33, after we close that 32nd verse, remember with mercy toward Jew and Gentile. Then verse 33, O oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Just tremendous. I want you to take your paper and put a capital A. We're going to work a structure. And the way you do it is I want you to put A up here, B indented a little, C a little further, and D a little further, and E a little further. Got it? Don't get too rambunctious here because you're going to need the room on the page to put the stuff in and leave room between A and B. Got it? So you put A, B, C, D, E. Then under E, you put E again. Because this is structure is an introversion. It's an introversion. A, B, C, D, E. E, D, C, B, A. Got it? <laughs> an introversion. Which means each one of these will be a major heading. A will equal last A. In other words, you have A, B, C, D, E. That's five, right? The two E's in the center will correspond, right? Okay. So you've got one, two, three, four, five. A, B, C, D, E. You've got five. So A and A will correspond. The first and the last. 
A will equal A, B will equal B, C will equal C, D will equal D, and the two in the middle are both E's. That's the introversion. A, B, C, D, E, E, D, C, B, A. Sort of refer to my notes or something. <laughs> Forget the alphabet or learn it. For now. I don't do a great deal in structure with the core. Maybe I ought to do more. But just so many times I don't need to do it because of just the plainness of the word. The structure won't help you that much more to understand it because the individual word will fit the verse, the verse will fit the context, and the context will cover the whole scope. So many times I don't do structure. Bollinger does a lot of structure. Welsh and those fellows do a lot of structure. Sometimes I think maybe I ought to do more too, but I don't do a great deal of it. But here, this one again is just so beautiful, and I thought if I gave you the structure on it, then you might get the beauty of it in your heart and life and be able to understand it better, and someday you teach it to someone and show them the greatness of it. We are just closing this fantastic section about Israel, Gentiles, and he wraps that whole thing up in these four verses that just glisten like diamonds when you work it. The first A is, oh, the depth, oh, the depth. Those are the words. It is an expression which represents to the greatest maximum ability all, A-W-E. Oh, the depth, the depth. You see, I, I put the emphasis where with all that I feel in my soul and with the greatest representation of all. I don't think it'll help you much to give you the Greek word. You look it up yourself. It isn't the importance of the Greek word. You know, the Greek itself is not going to do much more for you. What I've given you as an expression representing the greatest awe it's possible. Oh, the death. You know, just feel going down. <laughs> death. See? B is of the riches. Of the riches. Oh, the death of the riches. And the riches are what he's already given to us, among other things, in 10.12, Romans 10.12. For the same Lord, no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all Jew and Gentile who call upon him. Rich, rich. And in chapter 2, we had it in Romans. Chapter 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness? Riches of his goodness? Oh, the depth of the riches. Oh, the depth of the riches. C is both of the wisdom both of the wisdom. The word both here is the Greek word chi and. Oh, the depth of the riches. See, 
both of the wisdom D and knowledge of God E how unsearchable are his judgments unsearchable is the word incomprehensible another synonym is inscrutable how unsearchable incomprehensible you may be able to apprehend but never what comprehend to apprehend means to understand in part to comprehend means to understand fully oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god how incomprehensible inscrutable are his judgments i will give you the greek word here because further on in your life as you work the word you will need this word the greek word is spelled a n e x e r e u n long e t o s which is the word incomprehensible or inscrutable unsearchable how unsearchable are his judgments and finally e second e now this e is under the other one the last phrase of 33 his ways past finding out his ways past finding out and his ways past finding out these three words core past finding out is one greek word spelled a n e x i c h n i a s t o s and that word means untraceable untraceable or untrackable how unsearchable incomprehensible are god's judgments and his ways untraceable untrackable just a fantastic statement and this word here this word is only used twice in the bible untrackable or untraceable you see if you got snow in the winter and a rabbit runs <laughs> on the snow you can track the rabbit but as far as god is concerned his judgments his action all of god's ways are past finding out they're not trackable you can't track it can't trace it oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god how incomprehensible his judgments and his ways untraceable that's something you just can't track it down there's a record remember that one i forget where it is but he made known his ways unto moses his acts unto the children of israel that in where is that psalm 103 verse 7 read it he made known his ways unto moses 
is apt unto the children of Israel. See it? God told Moses the whys and the wherefores. The children of Israel didn't see anything, but it happened. He never told the children of Israel. You see that? God made known. He made known his ways to Moses. He told Moses why he was doing it, the whys and wherefores. Didn't tell the rest of the children anything, children of Israel. All they saw was the results, the manifestation of it. Made known his ways unto Moses. Only his acts unto the children of what? Israel. How incomprehensible his judgment, his ways, untraceable. The only way Moses knew, because God told him. The rest of the children of Israel didn't know. Very wonderful. He made known his ways unto Moses. That's why there's times in every man of God's life where God may, and far as I know, he will show that man of God certain things and tell him certain things and all the rest of the believers he'll never say a thing to. All they will see is the act, the results thereof. Made known his ways unto Moses, right? Only his acts to the children of Israel didn't tell any of the rest of them. And if Moses didn't tell, then the children of Israel didn't know either. And he didn't tell. Things that God did with Moses. Moses hid in his own heart put in his own spiritual lockbox because God told him and then God said, shut up, Moses. That's why the children of Israel only saw the acts of it. Right. Fantastic. Boy, that section in there is just electrifying when you see its greatness like you're doing. Now, D is verse 34. Who hath known, for who hath known the mind of the Lord? That's D. C, or who hath been his consular. In Isaiah. Boy, isn't this wonderful? Isaiah 40. It just sends chills up and down your spine when you see how tremendous God's word is and how beautifully it's set in the greatness of our God. Isaiah 40. Who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath become his consular? D and C, remember? 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or been his consular, hath taught him? <laughs> In Jeremiah 23, verse 18. For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord, and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Those are just two good scriptures to keep working on. That's verse 34 of Romans 11. Now 35. That's B. Who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. That's verse 35b. You see the comparison, the introversion? I didn't really, you know, hit you with it hard, but the two in the middle, how incomprehensible and his ways untraceable, 
So if you can't trace it, it's incomprehensible. And if it's incomprehensible, you can't trace it anyways. Those two fit. D, above knowledge of God, who hath known the mind of the Lord, D. See it? Mind is knowledge. You see the comparison, the introversion in structure? In the first D, knowledge of God, the D below which corresponds to it, who hath known the mind of the Lord, the knowledge that the Lord has. Then C equals C above, both of the wisdom and C below, who hath been his counselor, who hath been his counselor, wisdom, who smartened God up. The literal of that word counselor is fellow counselor, who fellow counseled God. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who has the knowledge the Lord has? Or who has been his counselor? Who hath been his wisdom? Who gave wisdom to God? And then in 35, B, who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. The word recompensed, I need to really clarify with you. The word recompensed, I'll spell it for you and then I'll analyze it for you. The word is antapodidomai, it's spelled A-N-T, A-P-O, D-I-D-O-M-I. Ant apodidomai. It has two prepositions in front of it. It is the word anti, A-N-T-I. That part of that word means over against, opposite, instead of, or in place of. Apo. APO means motion away from the source. Didomai, the I-D-O-M-I, means to give freely, to supply. And boy, that's a tremendous thing when you put all of this together. Who hath first given to him? Someone opposite of God away from the source, giving back fully. You know, that's why he says, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Who hath first given to him? See? Someone opposite of God. Look at that. Ant apodidomai. Someone opposite of God. Away from the source, away from God who is the source. All men dead in trespass and sin. Remember Gentile Jew a while ago. See? Ditto me means give. Giving back fully. Who hath first given to God and God gave it back again is a literal of that verse. Boy, that sure hits you, doesn't it? Indeed, who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been his fellow counselor? Who first gave to God and then God gave it back? 
<laughs> it's just a tremendous verse. Or who hath first given, yeah. Who hath first given to him, to God, and then God was able to give it back. Reminded me of the government. First gift to government, you never get it back. By the time it goes through all the hands, that's about as poverty-stricken as we would be if man ever tried to give God anything. That's why it says someone opposite. Auntie, someone opposite. God is perfect. Man is dead, he says. So it's someone totally opposite of God. Away from the source, apo. Away from the source, away from God. Why, it's just absolutely crazy to think that anybody could ever give anything to God. God doesn't need anything we do. That's why he has that great, great verse in him. And then it comes to the conclusion in verse 36, which is your A. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. A above corresponds with A below. Oh, the depth. Now, oh, the depth. For of him, through him, to him are all things. Oh, the depth. To him to whom be glory forever. Amen. There are three prepositions in this verse 36 which set it in the perfection of which all the beauty of the perfection of the word always sets. The first of him. Of is the preposition ek. Out of, from the center of him. Out of, from the center of him. Of him means out from the center, from what you might like to think of as the very heart and life of God, out of Him. Oh, the depth, out of Him. Through is the preposition dia, meaning proceeding from Him and passing out from. Starts, as I said, proceeding from him and passing out from starts right in the center of God proceeding and it cuts right across a circle like this all the way out that is that word dia out from the center of him got it proceeding and passing all the way out that is through him for of him and through him and to him. To is the Greek preposition ice, E-I-S, meaning unto, with respect to. You get to this out from the center of. That's the first ek. Out from, it passes all the way out. That's the dia. Now, Unto him, it comes right back in like that, unto him, like that. It just comes right back in. That is the completeness of it. 
with respect to him. With respect unto him. With respect unto him. For of him, out from the center of him, proceeding from him and passing out and unto him with respect only unto him are all things. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom, the knowledge of God, how incomprehensible, how untraceable. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been his fellow counselor? Who hath first given to God and that God could give it back again? For out of him, out of the center of him, and proceeding from him, passing out all the way, and then again unto him with respect to him are all things. That's the, oh, the depth of the riches of the greatness of this wonderful truth. Then the final words, be glory forever. Be glory throughout the ages or all ages. Forever is ages, plural. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, But to us there is but one what? And he is what? The Father. Of whom are all things, well, I read it to you, and then I show you prepositions again. Real neat. Of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Now look at your prepositions carefully. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things. Then the second last phrase, by whom are all things. Second phrase up, and we in him. And, last phrase, we by him. One God the Father and one Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. God the Father of whom are all things and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things. And we by him. Neat? Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? 16 and 17 are a parenthesis. Not in King James, but they are in the Word. For, or because, by Him, by God, closest associated controlling noun were all things created that agrees with Genesis 1-1 that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by God and for God and he God is or was before all things 
and by him, by God, all things consist or cohere, gel. Now that's the end of the parentheses. So we pick up in 14 where he talks about the forgiveness of sins through his son who is the image of the invisible God. We pick up the image, Jesus Christ, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might become the prominent one. That's why the 36th verse of Romans 11, of him and through him and to him are all things God. To whom be glory throughout the ages. And that puts the structure together, the introversion together for you of these four great verses closing out the 11th chapter of this wonderful section in the book of Romans. Once more, A at the top corresponds with A at the bottom. It's the introversion. A, B, C, D, E, E, D, C, B, A. A, O, the depth of him and through him to him are all things. B, of the riches who hath first given to God and God gave it back. C, both of the wisdom who hath been his fellow consular. D, knowledge of God who hath known the mind of the Lord. And E, how incomprehensible are his judgments and his ways untraceable. That core is the finish of chapter 11, and that's tonight's core.